What? Oh. Bollocks. Hey, yeah, Mum. Hey, you alright? Yeah, um. <laughs> Would you believe it? I am totally lost again. I don't know where I am. What an absolute muppet. Give us the body or at least the ears, because welcome back to Dancing in the Moon Night, our Moon Night retrospective here on Best Film Ever and Talking the Mickey. My name's Ethan. And my name's Ian. If we hadn't done this twice, I don't think I would have remembered what show we were doing at the start. No. I really no. don't. You started, I was like, which one are we doing again? Oh, it's this. Okay. Yeah, uh, but no. If you're listening to us going, wait, what's what's going on? The the fifth episode of Moon Knight, the the finale was was last week. I still haven't that's seen it. My, still haven't that, seen it. Oh oh wow, you're you're gonna be definitely I, uh, blind into this. I wanted to do this one blind, yeah. so I've been holding off on watching number oh, six. Bless you. But no, we we had a, a little little couple uh, hinks uh, with just nailing down times, and I was in my own field of reads. I I think that's what it was called, the field of reads. <laughs> sure, my my own physical manifestation turned into stone. Well, field, but, no, but field, if you go to the field of reads, isn't that isn't field of reads heaven? Oh yeah, yeah, it's a good place. I was in sand. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. You were in the I good. Was in the dunes. You were in the, you were in the good place. There's a there's another yeah. BFE crossover. <laughs> Uh, but no, we're here to do episode five of Moonlight uh, Asylum, and uh, I'll, I guess we'll, we'll jump straight into it. And we open with our, our regular Marvel uh, stuff, and we hear someone screaming for help, and then a woman screaming that it's all your fault. And then we cut to the boys, uh, our, our good old boys, Stephen and Mark, screaming. And then we open just back into the room from last week with Mark and Harrow. And Harrow tries to calm mark down over everything so you know you're my patient in chicago when you're just having a fantasy to reassure yourself and everything is uh possible to not to look within and all of these things and mark doesn't really believe that he's a doctor so uh let's start with mark then uh harrow asks and then uh he asks how did mark get here and uh, Mark wants to know how harrow got there so he you know does everything to quell his beliefs that it's not real and uh, that the hippo was nonsense, and Mark begins to say that it was nonsense. And Harry wants to know more about the hippo, saying it could break down the walls between Mark and Stephen, uh, because Mark was talking about a little boy at some point to Harrow. And uh, he stands up ready to threaten Harrow, and he says, you know, you, you're, a, you're a really good doctor, and his demeanor changes for a little second, and he's holding a, what I think is the glass pyramid. And uh, he gets taken away by the guards and sedated. And then we go back to Mark and Stephen freaking out about the hippo. And uh, the hippo wants to know if they're two of them are twins. And uh, Mark jokes that it's just baking his noodle because he thought he was just shot to death. And the hippo says, you know, you, you're quite dead. You, you were yeah. shot to death. You, you're dead uh, because welcome, gentle travelers. This is the realm of the Duat. And which is the Egyptian underworld. And this hippo is Tarwedit, uh, the goddess of women and children to guide them to the afterlife. And it's one of the many afterlifes in this reality, like the ancestral plane, which is the heaven in Black Panther. Oh, is it? Oh, okay. yeah. The ancestral plane. I thought it was uh, something to do with uh, the ancient one, but I, I, no, I think you think you're right. And yeah. that's interesting because it's they kind of going for this like polytheistic. Well, not that Egyptian isn't already polytheistic, yeah. polytheological maybe. Um, this idea that there are many religions, all of which can be 
um, running at the same time yeah. because you can have Thor and Asgard and you can have the Egyptian afterlife and you can have the ancestral plane and you can have the Eternals. Although I still think, oh, sorry, Eternals. Well, no, the name of the movie is Eternals. They are the Eternals. There we go. But I still yeah. think the Eternals <laughs> gets rid of any sort of, yeah, it, it does. Yeah, it doesn't hold up to close scrutiny. Now, granted, I mean, it's a comic book movie. What do you want? What do yeah. you want? Um, I guess for a podcast like this, I want someone to complain about. So I just did. Uh, but I tell you what, I did appreciate the the attempt to uh, afterlife world build. I suppose. Yeah, it's the, it's the second. It is the second reference to something greater than Moon Knight in the MCU. We had the was it the little crime world from Falcon the Winter Soldier, I think, and now it's a Black Panther reference, yep. which makes sense. They're all sort of spiritual. And uh, Tawel then explains that because the Duat is uh, so complex for the human mind to understand that it can look like different locations. Uh, for example, a psych ward, which is new uh, for her, she says. And uh, Stephen questions why they're in a mental ward. And Mark thinks it's because they're insane. I mean, look at the talking hippo. And he says that Dr. Harrow's right. And Mark says, you know, if we just walk down through the door we'll see some patients but instead it's the uh it's the open part of a boat i i know the the bridge of a boat no sure yeah the the outside part of a boat where the, the deck that's it the, the deck, deck of the boat that's it. yeah and uh, no, this is really the underworld that's sailing to the field of reeds yeah uh, is it ever really explained why they're in the egyptian afterlife as opposed to other afterlives it's just because they die is died in a um in an in an Egyptian pyramid. I want to assume it's because of the connection they had to Konshu, because obviously they were deeply oh, connected okay, to the enough. Egyptian yeah. gods yep. because of that. Um, but uh, they can only go to the fields of reeds. It turns out if their hearts are balanced. So Tawadit takes their hearts out and their little stones and places them on the scales where they'll be weighed for the entire journey. And there are two individual hearts. And uh, you either go to the field of reeds or you get thrown overboard for an eternity of punishment. And for some reason, the scales are moving really strangely that even Tawadik can't understand because both the hearts are on full, so they can't balance equally. So she says that the boat will be filled with the memories hidden away. And if they venture through, they can hopefully balance the scales. It, and from here, I was like, oh, I remember this episode of WandaVision. Because it's very much like your flashback uh, establishing character episode, which isn't a bad thing. I think this handles it a bit. I just, I just, I just never, I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Um, maybe because, if I'm being honest, maybe because the backstory of this episode actually mattered for character as yeah. opposed to the WandaVision one, which just explained the gimmick. It ex yeah, it explains Scarlet Witch. This is deeply entrenched with what this character needs to be. And um, as we go, because we go through and we see different moments that we've seen, we see uh, the museum fight where uh, he helped Conchu, uh, where, no, where we see the museum fight again from the first episode. We then see where Stephen helped Conchu change the stars. And we also see Mark standing just on a random street. And Stephen doesn't remember this, but Mark tries to dismiss it and says, oh, it's just, it's just a random street. It's fine. And then uh, a scream for help is heard again, the one that we heard earlier. And Stephen runs off to find it. And he runs into a room filled with dead bodies. And they're all corpses and 
rotting and this is this is a room for mark and it's filled with all of his victims from when he was a mercenary and even before and he says that he remembered each one after all the times and the locations as well he says you know these were criminals murderers predators and there's uh people that were stopped from by country's will for justice and vengeance but there's one person left in the room that's unlike the others and it's a child and Stephen's horrified that there could be a child in the room. And Mark says, you know, don't go near him. And the child runs off into a random room. And as Stephen follows and uh, locks Mark out, we then see his childhood. And we see his mum and his dad and a little brother, it turns out, that Stephen doesn't remember uh, having. And uh, Stephen's brother's drawing a fish that only has one fin. Drawing a fish only has one fin. Gus. Uh, oh, yeah. It's been a while since I've seen this episode. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I, oh, I think I was so I think I was so enamored with, with all the big stuff. I think I missed that. It's it's like a line because I when I went back to do the notes, it's like a line of dialogue that Tiny Mark says. He's like, look, he drew a fish, but it's only got one fin. And the mom's like, don't bully your brother. And I was oh, like, okay. oh, OK, that's that's somewhat foreshadowing. In- interesting. Yeah, yeah. And uh, little Mark and his brother decide that they aren't so hungry, so they're going to go to the cave, and they say latest gators to their parents, and uh, Stephen then follows them as the rain starts to pour, and the children play the roles of Dr. Stephen Grant and his faithful companion, and they go deep in the cave, and the water from the rain starts to fill up. Doesn't the mum warn them not to go or something like that? Yeah, she's like, don't don't go in the cave or something, and little Mark's like, no, no, it's fine, it's character development. And uh, Stephen realizes what's about to happen and he screams for the boys to get out, but obviously they can't hear him because he's an apparition. And uh, Mark tries to open all the locked doors so Stephen uh, doesn't see the truth. And he comes across a door that has his mother just at the window and uh, he's horrified. And Stephen then witnesses the fateful day that his brother drowned. And Mark uh, sees into the room of the week of mourning when it occurs. And Stephen's already in the room and he's still drenched uh, from, from the rain. And uh, their mum says that she wants her Roro back after he's died. And little Mark comes down the stairs in the room and he looks scared. And his mum screams at him for not keeping his brother safe. And she screams, it's all your fault, which we heard at the beginning. And then he runs upstairs and Stephen follows him. And now it's a new period of time where it's little Mark's birthday and his dad's there, but his mum still refuses to join or be near him. And Mark then, adult Mark screams at Stephen not to keep going, but Stephen climbs the stairs again. And it's now another birthday, and his dad celebrates little Mark's birthday again. But his mum's now drunkenly saying that she should have known Mark would cause his brother to die and blames him for it, and that he was always jealous of his little brother. So Mark gets angry because she's ruined his birthday, and he runs upstairs, and Stephen follows again. And Mark grabs Stephen this time to stop him, and it causes them to fall into another memory as he... Uh, smacks him to the ground and it's uh, when he's much older and his dad begs Mark not to leave because of his mum. He says to him that he can't lose another son and before Mark can run at Stephen but no, Mark runs at Stephen and bundles them into another memory which he says is is an awful memory and it's a mercenary mission gone wrong and Stephen sees that Layla's dad's dead on the ground as Mark says that he, he begs and says that he tried to protect the victims and Stephen wants to know what happened and he just, Mark just points at the tomb and uh, we see Mark of that memory at that time crawling towards the tomb, bleeding out cl- close to death 
and he's lying under a statue of Conchu. And he grabs the gun in his uh, belt and he puts it under his chin and he gets ready to shoot himself. And then we just hear Conchu again for the first time in like three episodes saying, oh, this is such a waste. And he feels all of Mark's pain and he's in search of a warrior just like Mark. And he asks if Mark wants life or death and he can feel Mark's fractured mind and he's fascinated by it and he wants Mark to serve him. And he and Mark then become the ritual to become the Moon Knight as he's reborn. The, the light shimmers down. He gets into the raps for the first time. The music swells. And um, Mark, uh, Stephen says to Mark, even from the beginning, he was, he was forcing your hand. He tricked you. He manipulated you. Manipulated you. You were vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, we've, we've gone through a bunch of scenes here. I just want to unpack a couple things. Yeah. Um, uh, it's really interesting because I think from the moment the rain's going, we can kind of feel where the cave journey is headed to. Um, and I think it's effective in that the mum is obviously destroyed at losing yeah. her youngest boy. And because of the ellipsis edit, right? Because we just jump, it does feel really early. Yeah, for dad to be kind of forgiven the boy. Now he's have to punish him. Far from it. But then we go to a birthday and like you know, maybe I'm still not over it. This would be massive, <laughs> and I think we understand how it could destroy a life. Um, I'm friends with people who've experienced tragedy on a very real level, and um, yeah, um, it's I don't know how you bounce back. I don't. Mm. Um, and so. I can I can understand this and I can see this, um, and so I, as much as we are are, are going to be directed because of our alignment to Mark, uh, because as much as we're going to be directed to view the mother as a monster, uh, there's a level of sophistication in the story and maturity in this storytelling, which I think. I mean, it's really hard to blame mom, even though she has terrible things. Yeah. It's really hard to blame mom because how could you see, um, how do you divorce yourself from that feeling when you see the boy who lived, uh, who's not Harry Potter <laughs> and you, and you do this. Uh, I had, I'm going to tell show personal story here. Uh, I had a, a dog and, um, my mother-in-law at the time had this little Pomeranian and uh, the little Pomeranian broke out in, uh, and I, my, my dog was like a German shepherd yep. uh, that, that my ex and I had. And the little dog um, all of a sudden one day had all these like blood, uh, not clots isn't the right word, but uh, you can see like little blood marks underneath the skin, underneath the fur all yeah. over its stomach. And the fear that we had was that my dog had um, mm. been too rough, picked up the other dog in his mouth, shook it around, something like that. And uh, they took the little dog to the vet, and the vet explained, no, it wasn't the case. Um, it was something that was happening internally with the dog. But I did say, I did ask my mother-in-law at the time, and I said, what would that have meant for our dog? Because she loved our dog. What would that have meant? Mm. 
And she said, I would have gotten by it. It would have been hard, but I would have gotten by it. I don't know if, I don't know if it's that simple. I really don't. Cause he doesn't know any better. He was, if it was mm. the case, he was just a dog who was playing and a tragedy happened as a result. Um, but to be able to divorce your, your very real feelings of grief off of, you know, a dog, a boy, something who's not, who's going to bounce back from it because children are resilient and don't realize the impact of what they've done. Or in my case, the dogs, dogs got to have a memory of like a goldfish. Um, you know, it's just, yeah, it's a very real, um, moment. And again, something that Moon Knight continues to do is ground, yeah itself maybe not in, in a plot of course but in emotions that feel organic and genuine and like this whole theme links back closest to the end and when you said that it reminded me and it's so it's very very well done because there's no i wouldn't say anger no hatred for what happens there's an understanding and like a want to move past at least with with Mark later on. And I, I like how it, how it links and fully completes it. Yeah. But, but from there, uh, after that really well, well uh, said analogy, um, we hear, we hear baboons and they're on the deck of the boat and Mark and Steven uh, run atop to see it. And Tawarit says that something evil is happening in the overworld and as souls are being sent down here too early. And Mark and Steven uh, strike a deal with Tawarit uh, to get them back to the overworld and free Conchu, but they still need to balance their scales first. And Steven says, that means the plot of this episode is we need to see what happened in all the other rooms that Mark didn't want to show me so we can establish our characters more and get a greater yeah. character arc. It's a race against time. Yeah. It's, very, it's not very often character development to race against time, but it is. Yeah. It makes it it makes it more personal, I feel, because yep. we get we have to see the most important parts and don't and not really dilly dally, and it gets us to sort of because this, this we're in Steven's shoes for a lot of this episode. Yeah, 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 because it's all it's all stuff that Mark knows, so yeah. it's all exposition. But I'll tell you what, I mean, as far as a framing device went, it's 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 really quite effective. Yeah. Uh, to go look it's not just some random oh no not a, another memory oh not this one <laughs> you know it's it's the, 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 there's a reason for it yeah and uh steven says uh mark wants them just to talk about it instead because seeing the memory isn't worth it but steven says that's bad and that you know they won't be able to balance their scales uh and if they do it's it'll be all mark's fault and Mark just has a breakdown and slaps himself in the face saying no no like he he's that pained by the memory that he doesn't want to experience it and then he wakes up in harrow's office again and oh, dr harrow yeah. starts giving him some spiel about how he always does uh he always does uh wonder about uh mark peering inward of himself and he asks if mark created steven to hide from all the awful things he did or that steven yeah. created mark to punish himself uh, punish the world for the awful things his mother did to him. And the it's, only way it's to very convenient is, that uh, that yeah. uh, Harrow waits until we've had our exposition to bring yeah. up Mum for the first time. Yeah, and uh, the only way to know is to open up to Stephen, and then we're just back in the room, and we see little Mark uh, hides in the corner, and uh, Stephen says he doesn't remember any of this memory, and the door's being banged on as Mark's mum demands he open the door, and little Mark curls in a ball saying it's not his mom it's not his mom it's not his mom and then he turns into steven yeah 
And uh, our Stephen looks in horror at the poster on the wall, which says, when danger's near, Stephen Grant has no fear. And we realize that Mark always made him up. The promises that Mark made to Stephen, that when all of this was done, Stephen would just, he disappear from Stephen's life is more of a lie. And yeah. uh, little Mark's and Stephen's mum bursts in and just starts to beat him with a belt. And uh, Mark dragged Stephen out the room saying that he wasn't supposed to see that. And that's the whole point of Stephen, that Stephen thought he was original, but he was always made up. And uh, Mark's angry saying that, oh, Stephen, you got to live a, a normal, happy life where uh, while well, he had a mum who beat him instead. And uh, Stephen got to pretend that he had a mum who loved him, who's still alive. Yeah, call, Steven, I, was, I was say called that episode one. Boom! <laughs> it's not very often I get these things right, but yeah. I got that one episode one because it's a it's a well done. Uh, I don't know. Don't want to say like fake out, but it's definitely like a something's not entirely right. Especially when there's the crumb with Layla saying, "Oh, so you're still talking now?" So obviously Layla still doesn't know yet. Yeah, yeah. And and Stephen's confused. Like, but but she is alive. He calls her every single day and. Mark then tells him the truth that his dad called him about his mum Shiva, which is a, a Jewish period of mourning for a week. And um, he just said he couldn't do it. And Mark tries to apologize to Stephen, but Stephen just wants to be let out and of all of this. And then he wakes up in Harrow's office. So it's time for Stephen to meet Harrow. Yeah, that's and, a cool uh, moment. He doesn't entirely know what's going on, doesn't believe any of it immediately. And he says that Harrow uh, looks very uh, Ned Flanders in his new get up. And he asks, uh, Harrow asks if Mark and he opened up and Stephen says, yeah, but he lied is what he did. So Harrow says, you know, Stephen was the one that brought he and Mark to the psych ward after his mother passed away. And Stephen doesn't like that one bit. And he, he goes very British, like, don't say that. That's yeah. not true. Yeah. Don't, don't you dare say that. You having a laugh? <laughs> and uh harris like okay i'm sorry i'm sorry i've got it wrong i've got it wrong why don't we call your mum instead and yeah he rings her and steven say no no don't do that she's scared of the telly sales people she, she'll just let it go to ring she won't bother and um harrow then passes the phone over to steven and he picks up the phone and the line's dead we just hear the the blare of, of a cutoff line and steven then accepts the truth and says you know his mum's dead and we cut straight to his mother, Shiva. And um, Mark's dad looks out the window and sees Mark on the street uh, looking in. He takes a swig from his flask and goes on his way and he's crying, saying that he won't give his mum the satisfaction of being there. And in his pain and his upset, he throws uh, his kipper on the floor. And that's, that's a big, big no-no. It's it's uh, the, the the hat that he wears. And uh, that can never touch the floor. If the kipper touches the floor, that's that's a very big no-no in, in the Jewish religion of mourning. And uh, it shows how broken he is because he gives up on everything, his religion. And uh, he then immediately grabs it and holds it tightly and he cries, rocking back and forth. And then he looks out and then he turns into Stephen. Yeah. Oh. And he's, he's confused as to where he is. And and we, I think we even get a shot from his dad's perspective inside the yeah. house as Steven's yeah. now on his phone saying that he's lost and uh, what am I in Milwaukee or something like that? Yeah. yeah. He, he grabs the phone and he calls his mom all happy and cheery and he calls it when her Shiva's just down the road. 
Yeah. And he's like, oh, I, th- I think I'm near like the Bakerloo line or something. I- I'm-, I'm near somewhere Milwaukee. Yeah. And uh, he, Mark appears to ask Stephen and says that this is what caused it all. His and- mum's. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, his mum's death in Shiva two months ago caused Stephen to appear again. And Mark couldn't face his mum ever again. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Um. Uh, I mean, something that's so um, captivating about this sequence is the absolute tonal shift from when he switches into Stephen, which of course he would, because Stephen has no idea of what's going on. But it's almost this comedic performance, but bookended against... Um, or immediately preceded anyway by th- such pain and then even viewed him from the outside to create distance to show you know this is how he's he's separated himself from his pain there's an actual barrier between him and his family now and part of that barrier isn't just the space it's steven um really really effective and to find out that this is kind of the origin story for where we kind of we're kind of pick it up yeah. Uh, and that Stephen had been dormant, I guess, for, you know, a decade, maybe more. Um, and I don't know. I, I guess you probably know. But for me, realizing that Stephen wasn't, though I probably always suspected it, I felt sad knowing that Stephen wasn't the prime personality. See, this is the thing, because it kind of skews from how the comics always kind of did it, which was I was I was very in the dark with this, so it helped. But going into this, I from episode one, I really thought that Steven would be the would be the prime oh, yeah. would be the prime the prime host of this. And that Mark was sort of a personification almost of Almost his, some some his, sort of weird wish fulfillment. He's tough, he's yeah. strong, he gets the girl. Yeah. Yeah. And I I I I because obviously when when Mark turns into Steven throughout the, the series, it's always been sort of comedic. It's always been funny. It's always been very mm-hmm. soft, especially like when in the fight scenes, when Mark will turn into Steven for a second, he's like, OK, guys, let's chill the F out. And then he gets stabbed and then goes back. And with yep. this, because it's always so funny and it's he still plays it. He plays it comedically but not like a ha-ha it's 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 so because of that it's so tragic and i love it it's so so well done because the fact that it, he switched between those emotions so seamlessly it's it's incredible i agree it's mm. it's 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 well done it's well constructed whoever came out with, with the sort of story plan for the series um fantastic as far as how they've uh structured the narrative hmm and uh, this is then when when our current Stephen consoles our current Mark, saying that you know his brother's death wasn't Mark's fault, and Mark gets to get some closure for the first time, and someone finally saying that he doesn't need to blame himself. And then the ground shakes, meaning the boat stopped, and they're on their way to the gates of Osiris. But Tarwedit says that the scales never fully balanced, and it means the unbalanced souls from the the Dune Sea are coming after them. So it's time for, for them to fight them off. And Stephen and Mark both fight side by side with Stephen saving Mark once or twice. And don't celebrate too soon because as a soul tries to grab Mark overboard, Stephen ends up taking his place trying to rescue him. And Stephen falls overboard into the Dune Sea and he tries to run back 
to the boat, uh, but he starts to fall over and sort of crumble, and he reaches his arm out asking for uh, for help as Mark screams for him, but Stephen then just freezes over, turns to stone, and Mark's begging for the boat to stop, but Stephen, uh, because because uh, Stephen's no longer on board, the scales have balanced, and Mark, uh, there's a it's a such a quick movement from Mark and the camera. And then he finds himself in the fields of reeds and it's golden and beautiful. And it's like, a, it's like an eternal sunrise or sunset. And uh, Stephen's lost and Mark's just by himself once again in this beautiful bit of heaven and the music's playing and it just closes out. Yeah. Yeah. Impactful ending. Very impactful. I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting a a different reveal or or shock or cliffhanger. Added to a list of unexpected endings in this series. Mm. I mean, geez. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. Really, <laughs> really mourned the loss of Stephen here. So much sort of character development, um, yeah. and so much that he learns, and then to to die um sacrificing himself it feels for mark which based on what we've been told now is the correct thing you know you could make an argument that steven is a creation by which makes mark broken so the only way to restore mark is to end steven this as long as they're together then mark is never whole it's 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 an interesting place to leave it for me with one episode to go. Mm. It's it's because the, the whole concept itself it's it's a character reflection uh, mainly for Mark, but for a sense also Stephen gets to sort of reflect as well what we we've known from Stephen and because he, he's such he's an audience surrogate for this, but also sort of messing how with how we perceived everything as well. I I I do like how. We, we kept them in the dark just as much as Stephen. Um, it makes me align to the tragedy of that of the ending of the episode so much more. Well, we talked about how we thought in our, in our own viewing that Stephen was the prime character, and Stephen's mm. the one we're aligned to at the start. He's the one who we see yeah. the story through his eyes. He's the journey that we've most tightly followed. So for us to have him abandoned, I mean, we're very similar to Mark. We're kind of go. I don't know what to do with it. He's not the one I would have expected to. Not based on this episode. This episode I might have, but you can't take away the journey to this point. And uh, mm. therefore, I think all the more impactful when I go, what do you mean he's 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 gone? I mean, you know, I, I want to make references to things, but I want to spoil movies for people. But there are some great movies that have decided that the two clerks, Mark, that guy you think is the main character, we're going to kill him. And you go <laughs> and you go, what? But where's my third? Wait you're switching to the main character what and that's exactly what this is and it's 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 done in a way though because of the effectiveness of this episode uh it, it feels earned it feels impactful and i don't feel cheated uh, with the exception of i miss Mar uh steven but uh, mm -hmm. i don't feel cheated as far as doesn't it's the same thing and this is just done for cheap hits it hasn't um been I was going to say earned again, but yeah, but it hasn't been a, a natural organic byproduct of a story yeah. I've watched. And, and it is that thing. The thing I like as well with, with Mark's whole thing, we've seen this entire series so far of him just wanting to get rid of 
of Steven and being very annoyed and frustrated by him. And so by the time that he's lost him, this the fact that he sort of severed Steven, he's and he the heart is full. He's weirdly not. He's he seems very lost and upset that he's actually lost the person who's able to still help him through all of it. Mm-hmm. And I like that dynamic that we all of all of us, the audience and Mark, get the same feeling of loss, and it will be able to transfer for us later on. Uh, I'm trying to make sure I don't say anything without giving away yeah, anything. Careful, careful. Also, it's been a week, like a week and a half for me, so I can I remember minute. Yep. I remember just big things. <laughs> um, but I guess that's uh, our, our favorite things of this episode. Okay. Um, favorite isn't like favorite moment, or what is the favorite? Or oh, we favorite about? moment element. Uh, uh yeah. I mean, yeah. there's so much that goes on, but it's. Mm. Uh, I'm gonna go with two. I'm gonna go with two. The creation of oh, three, which is the same everything to go with. Number one, the creation of Mark. Sorry, the, the yeah. creation of Stephen. The creation of Stephen, and what that means when he's you know, and it's the coping mechanism for his abusive mother. Um, the 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 death of his mother and the reemergence of Stephen, and then of course you know the loss of Stephen. There we go. It's kind of Stephen's mm. whole arc there. But those the are three, Stevens. all three moments that we that we've unpacked. I don't think I need to yeah. add anything more about it. But um, you know, I think it's realizing in all three situations, realizing that Mark needs Stephen. There's something about Stephen that Mark needs in his life. Yeah, and then what happens when 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 Stephen's taken away from Mark? Mm. So there we go. I always feel I'm cheating when I give this answer because yours was really good, but um, it, it's it's just it's 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 Oscar Isaac. Like yeah. this, he he spends forty ish minutes just playing against himself, having to give two very very different performances that act so well together, and the fact that he's doing it in real time with him, fantastic. There's a point where there's like four Oscar Isaacs on like three or four Oscar Isaacs on screen at once. And it just, it makes sense. We got Steven, we got Mark watching the flashback. We then have Mark slash Steven in the, from the flashback going to and fro. And it's so, it's so well done from performance and just technically how it's laid out. Cause it would, it could just seem really goofy and funny, like some sort of split screen type thing, but it just, yep. It makes sense. It really does make sense. And it impresses me with the quality that they've been able to show this, this situation. Uh, grumbles. I, Cause I can't think of any real grumbles. Oh, I mean, I was really, de- I mean, I was all over the place at times. I was like, yeah, none of it was real. It's all in the <laughs> shrink's office. The shrink is legit because the sh- it's the reason why he's there because yeah. his mother. So, okay, so if that's the case, then none of it does happen. Then it really all is a uh, uh, hallucination. And I kind of went there, but then I went, okay, but that doesn't explain the journey of a ship unless that's a giant metaphor but that you know what if a story really is about a guy who's just 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 crazy what what, what if that is the story it's a guy who couldn't deal his with his mom's death and none of the stuff about being a mercenary none of that matters it's just a guy who who's having a hard time and uh but that's not a grumble it was just me going yeah that's crazy i was supposed to talk about grumble and I, this isn't really a grumble this is me appreciating it's this. a journey of indifference really um yeah, uh, I guess I'd go. Here's my grumble, and it, it, yeah. it can't be helped. It can't be helped. Yeah, not a great Ethan Hawke episode. 
Yeah, his existence is very much like being the id of Mark yeah. and Steven. And he's vanilla sort of, and he gives us some yeah. key plot information, but it's 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 nothing it's nothing big. Yeah, I'll go with that. It's it's main he he is there sort of to be the the barrier between sort of what we're used to and this otherworldly plane. And I, I do get that. And he obviously everything he's able to represent is, you know, this is this is truly insane. And Harrow's always yeah. been, the, been the one talking into his head. At the same point, how incredibly well like just interesting would it be if the shrink was um F. Murray Abraham instead. Still sounding oh. like Ponshu, but just being a guy, being the shrink. Oh. Or what if it's Harrow's face, but he sounds like F. Murray <laughs> Abraham? Oh, oh. great. No, that's, think, you know what? I'll give yeah. you that. that. That would be solid. They work, both of them do work really well. Either have it like Ethan Hawke being that it makes sense, F. Murray Abraham being that also makes sense. I think either way, it's still, it's still well done, even if it is just, it's a very harrowed light episode or the harrow we're used to but again to confuse us uh, i don't have like a grumble it is sort of that thing of there is a lot going on i like we have enough time for it um i, I don't know again my, my you sort of explained any indifferences i had really all right so there we go yeah <laughs> uh so it's just it's just our ratings uh oh there's so much stuff. It's mm. not a plot episode at all, really, except for, well, I guess for the big ending, jeez. Uh, I'm going to go with a nine for the episode, and it's got me to to a ten. I'm, I'm, all, I'm all ready to hit the button mm. and uh, see how this thing closes up. I really, really am. Uh, no, it's, it's the same for me. It's a nine and a half for me just for, for this episode, because I think I, I've always had... Um, I, like I was when I when this started, I was like, "Oh, it's just like, going to be like the One Division episode of the flashbacks, where I just go, oh, okay, oh, okay." But this hits something. This really hit something in me. I remember when we watched that that flashback episode, and we were like, "That statement that Vision says about uh, what is love but grief persevering." Yeah. Um, the 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 first seven minutes of this episode took that line outside Wait, did you and say, beat it to death. Did you say what is love but grief persevering? Yeah. Or is it what is grief but love persevering? One of the two. That it's would make more sense. Love continuing yeah. even in the face of loss. What is, yeah, what is grief but love persevering? Yeah. It th- this episode took that um took that statement and just beat the crap out of it for 40 minutes and said, This, this is how you break down a character. And I like this. I know I shouldn't be comparing, but from all the Marvel things, my my big issue has always been that second to last is always something. Your second to last with Loki was you didn't like i think the second to last of hawkeye was a bit of a yeah i mean yeah i kept saying who i mean i kept saying things like i mean i'm pretty famous for my penultimate episodes to go yeah yeah i mean loki was (laughs) loki was atrocious uh, made up for it with a really good finale, but uh, yeah. the, the penultimate, I was really down on it. And then everything else, I mean, Hawkeye, I don't even remember Hawkeye's penultimate episode now. Hawkeye on the whole has been kind of forgettable, actually, for me. Um, yeah. Yeah, there's a girl in some arrows, you know, everything, after, fine. everything yeah. after Simon Callow left, I'm like, eh. <laughs> um, you know, we did some 
cosplay stuff with people who shoot like paintball no they do like they don't do paintballs they do like the they, medieval warfare stuff shorts, yeah yeah um but everything else was just me going i remember like wanda was going we we, we don't we don't have time we're not gonna have yeah. time for everything and then falcon it was we don't have time for everything and uh i feel like we're okay depending on where they go i mean they went for mm. a really character place um this was a necessary, not even filler. This was a necessary moment for us to understand the character and where where we go from here. Because Dave, this isn't a plot piece. This is a character piece. Yeah. So as a result, it's, I'm not. I, I, there's, there's nothing that has to be resolved in the sense. Yeah, you give me some closure, but the closure is really more about how, where we're leaving the character, not about some sort of big plot, which is the problem with Wanda. There was plot. It was the you know we had Agatha to figure out the yeah. Falcon Winter Soldier. We still had to make him you know. Uh, we still had to make him Captain America. We still had to have Bucky apologize to the father of the guy he killed, or grandfather of the guy he killed, or whatever he was. Um, this one is just how do we leave a character? And I think that's easier to do in a variety of timelines. You can do it in over a whole episode. You can do it over the last 20 minutes. There are ways to do this. And so uh, I'm totally prepared to eat my words if I go, they, <laughs> they rushed it. They, they should, episode five should have been episode four. You should have given more time. But as far as I sit right now, I'm really, what do we have? Oh, geez. I mean, if I'm sitting here, as far as I know, here's what we, we have. Conchu still in the gift shop. Yeah. Um, we have Khonshu's hold over Mark and yeah. threatening to have his hold over, what was, what was her name? Uh, Layla. Layla. We have the idea of what's going to happen with Arrow. Sure, Harrow, surely there's got to be some comeuppance. Yeah. Uh, or is the whole thing in his head? Is it really all in a mental institution? That's a really quick, easy way to write out of that. I, that, doesn't, that won't yeah. take long at all. Um, and then what's happening with um, Field of Reeds, not Field of Dreams, Field of Reeds, <laughs> Mark, you know, what are we doing with him? Where are we going with that? But any of these things can be fixed by, and then fine, and then, you know, my last untied thing, this might be my Monica Rambeau, who's over the hill. <laughs> it might be that. The answer might be no one. But I was, it's been heavily suggested there's a third personality. Who's that? Yeah. It wasn't me, and there was a third um or a second sarcophagus that we don't open when i when i first watched this episode uh when it when it was right when i went live that final fight i was like oh they're both struggling oh is a third is a third one gonna come out oh, and save them and it's like good. it's me i'm so and so nice to meet you and then that would cut and i'd be like oh wow <laughs> brilliant uh however it does the scales work well when it's duality when it's binary yeah. Oh, but it's still you. They they got to clean up that thing. Who was it? Yeah. It wasn't me. That can't be there. That can't be left unanswered. We have to get an answer for that in episode six. I think I will. I'm gonna say, have to watch uh, it literally right now, so no one ats me and tells me what 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 what's occurring. I don't blame. I think after this, it's a good refresher to what you're going into. Yeah, I was. I think I've been thinking about this for a while. And when you when you brought up all the other MCU shows, um. Moon Knight has had a very easy job compared to the other ones because all these other shows that have come out, they've existed. And I, I, I mean this with not negatively, but like just it, realistically, all those shows existed to promote something later on. One Division is there to promote yep. Doctor Strange. Loki's there to promote Doctor Strange. Falcon Winter Soldier is eh, there to was, promote was Captain America. What was Hawkeye there to promote? Young Avengers, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. 
Hawkeye was there to say, look at Kate Bishop. Oh, Kate, Kate Bishop's Bishop origin. Kate Bishop's yeah. origin story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's there for us to also go, Yelena, okay, got, yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that kind of stuff. Uh, I, told, uh, I totally forgot Yelena was in it. Totally forgot. Oh, and, and a deaf girl. Oh, and the whole, and the whole, oh. and the whole smashy, smashy. Uh, oh, and Kingpin. Kingpin. It's a set up Kingpin so, and, we can, then, so we can then get, yeah, and, and Echo. Yeah. It's set up the Echo show so we can get. Wow, we forgot so much of that. I keep forgetting about, I think Jeez. Echo starts filming in like a week. And uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll say this, um, the pacing. I say it now. The pacing yeah. has been right, and it has. It's felt consistent. It's felt consistent, you know. and I have these peaks and troughs that every other show is however I've gone. Well, it was you know probably my least favorite episode was probably episode one, maybe two, but you know those were the you know necessary information episodes. Yeah, and then since then I've just been like, all right, and they they know how to finish an episode, and it's it is impressive compared to every show we've had so far. I I think. I think you said it with Hawkeye. It was like, we, we, uh, you can't skip to the end of the line. This is the only one so far. I don't think you've actually said that. And it gives what, me. You don't get to skip to the end? Yeah. yeah it's, maybe. Given, it's given me some hope. Yeah, we'll see. It's really given me some hope. Tell you what, she's also the only one that hasn't talked about skipping to the end. There's been no post credit scene yet. Yeah. It was, I, I, to be fair, I'm not complaining because I get to set through the, the cool, uh, like Egyptian pop songs, but like, yeah, because usually it's like the second to last or the or the third to last, but no. Well, it's, one of them went nuts, and like five of them had post credit scenes. I was like, what? Maybe it was maybe it was Wanda because Wanda was like nine episodes, wasn't it? I th- I think it was the yeah, it was like the final three all had post credits, and then for some reason every other episode of Falcon I think had a post credit yeah. scene, and I was like, I don't know what's going on anymore. No, I like that. It's just that this is this is our thing. This is our thing. Yeah. It's very um, contained, and I like how yeah. contained it is. You get a couple references to the greater MCU, but it's nothing too down. There was there was a there was an article that came out that they um they wanted Kamal Nanjiani's character was it Kingo from Eternals to yep. show up for like a flashback of um Conchu's, uh, one of Conchu's avatars, and I'm like, okay, sure, they just couldn't get him. It wouldn't have made sense within the story. Yeah, it was like a if flashback. You, if, I think if you've of seen Conchu, it, but... if you've seen Eternals, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that makes more sense for me. Yeah. Cool. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Dancing in the Moon Night. We'll have episode six out uh, maybe next week. It will bridge the gap uh, more between uh, this and when we do Obi-Wan so it doesn't feel as as long. It's what so you, need. Might, you need. Yeah. You need your MCU Star Wars crossover yeah. there. I saw them on the one show today. It was so strange to see them on British TV. Uh, but. Thank you so much for uh, listening. When this comes out, I'm not sure what day it is, but probably be before the end of the week that this is currently. So we would have had our episode on Austin Powers, which is a really interesting. If you don't like Austin Powers, it doesn't matter. Oh, we go man. into some great topics. We, we springboard into, into a lot of stuff. Who'd have thought we could do that with Austin Powers? I was listening back. And I'm like, we really went into some great, yeah. great discussions. Tell you what, there's been a request. Uh, I'll drop it here. There's been <laughs> yeah. a request that we visit the rest of the trilogy annually, much like we do with Star Wars. I and uh, I think I'm going to, with my executive producer hat on, say, yeah, summer of love for the next two summers. We're gonna, we we got to bring Austin back because I had way too much fun talking about Austin yeah. Powers. So definitely, especially when you consider 
aware of that? I don't know if you've seen two. You said you've seen two. Have you seen all of them? Yeah, I've seen I've seen all three. Yeah. Well, George hasn't seen any of them, so <laughs> this could be great. Now I can't wait to hear. I haven't told her yet that we're going to be going ahead, yeah. and uh, so I look forward to <laughs> revealing revealing on our next episode that Ooh, summer nice. of love is going to be next two summers. We're going to bring it back. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, this week as well, we've also had. I'm. I get the plug. I, I was. I was on Carlos. Uh, I was on the movie loot to talk about Star Wars. The movie loot. Yeah, it a was great. It was a, a great. great oh, if, if Carlos listening, a great opening. I yeah. appreciated his opening. It's weird because it was all audio, but it was like I, I could see the words. The words climbing through through yeah. through space. Uh, as well, coming up, we still have uh, our entries, our little votes. Uh, choose your top five Bruce Willis films for our real roundtable of Bruce Willis to celebrate his career as he retires. And we get to celebrate just, just Bruce Willis in general. Yeah. I don't know if we have anything else down the pipeline. Uh, next episode will be the yeah. the full full episode of yeah. uh, the BFE. will be the Hate You Give with BFF of the BFE, Juline. Uh, so looking forward, always a good time to have Julene on. And if you want more information about how you can get involved on stuff like this, uh, a lot of decisions that we do now are actually going to our Patreon backers and our top tier, the ones who get to come on the show, pick the movie and hang out for a bit. All that yeah. can be found at patreon.com slash BFE. We kept it simple for you. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, before I go, I guess we also have our, our Twitter, our Facebook and our Instagram, which is best film ever pod. Uh, on Twitter, and you can interact with us there. We're all we're all there. We're always interacting, always having having fun. So thank you so much for listening to Dancing in the Moon Night. I've been Ethan, and I've been Ian. And no matter if you get scared listening to this episode, have no fear. The BFE are here. We'll see you next time. That's good. Mm-hmm. Better than last one.